Lord, I thank you this morning. You're here. You're here. And because you're here, nothing is impossible. Lord, help us to believe you, trust you, rely on you, look to you in all things. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, lest we grow weary in our souls, Lord. Lord, I thank you. You're already dealing with unbelief in this room and you're creating faith. And I pray you'll just continue to do that through, through your word to us this morning. So bless the word. Let it accomplish what you desire it to accomplish in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. And I wasn't sure about a title. I guess I'll call it Breaking Strongholds. Breaking Strongholds. And really, the message to you this morning is really nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is impossible for Him. Um, I got news uh, last night around 3.30 that my... uh, Sorry, My old pastor in New York uh, went to be with the Lord, and I'm very happy for him. But Bobby Lloyd was, uh, uh, they made a movie, actually, uh, this is going to be kind of part of the message, about the black mob back in the 70s, and he was part of that in New York City. He was a pimp. He was the hitman. He was a very violent individual, and uh, his wife... Uh, my other pastor's sister prayed for him and prayed for him and prayed for him and God got a hold of this man. He went to Teen Challenge. He came out. Eventually he became a pastor. And when they were just starting out, I was one of their first people that they ministered to. I was one of the first students at Teen Challenge. And Bobby was a little rough on the edges, you know. He came out of a different kind of back, But it was what I needed. And so last night I was thinking about how God used him in my life when I was totally in rebellion and bound. He'd call me in the middle of the night when I was out and he's getting high and he'd say, you need to be in church in the morning. I don't care what anybody thinks. You need to be there. I mean, that's how he talked. He was a black brother from New York, from the streets. And there was just different times God used him in my life and he was there any time for us, for Rose and I. They bore us. And uh, he's a big part of why I'm standing here today. Um, But I thought about his life and what a miracle his life was because he became the sweetest man you would ever want to meet. This gruff, gangster, black guy from New York became a lamb. I don't know how else to say And he always called me. He always... You know, even recently would call me just to see how I'm doing. And we talked and we kept a friendship, you know, all these years. And he got pancreatic cancer probably 20 years ago. Should have died. And had a miraculous healing. I mean, the Lord used doctors, but it was the Lord. And God sustained him. That's probably more than 20 years. Um, you know, so he, God used him in, in a tremendous way. But... To me, you know, I'm just reminded this morning of there's nothing too hard for God. I don't care what situation, who you're praying for, what you might be dealing with. I'm telling you, God really can do the impossible. And what we're going to read speaks of that. It's a dire situation. It's a seemingly possible situation. But God is speaking to us today saying, believe me. I can do this. Don't lose heart. Don't, don't quit. Don't quit praying. I can do this. This isn't hard for me. Don't doubt me. That's really what he wants to say to us today. 
So I'm going to start here in verse 14, where it says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and they ran to him. This was after the transfiguration. Some commentators were like, maybe he was still glowing. I think it was just they couldn't believe he showed up. You know, this big thing's going on and all of a sudden there's Jesus. And they're like, it's Jesus! And they're greatly amazed and they run to him and they greet him and he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with my guys? And one in the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute speak spirit. He couldn't speak. Other translations said, says lunatic. He's a lunatic. He can't even speak. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. I'd say that's a kind of a serious situation. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast them out, but they could not. And then he answered and he said, and I don't know how he said it. I really don't. But I know it grieves him. And I know it grieves him when people just don't believe him. It's kind of like a father, you know, saying something to his child and the child just won't believe him, but yet the child loves, the father knows he loves the child. Um, but he says, oh, faithless generation. Now maybe he said it like a rebuke. Oh, faithless generation. That's probably how I would have said it. But I don't know. Oh, faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? Like, how much do you need to see? How long must I be with you? How long shall I be with bear with you? Like how how long are you going to be so slow to believe me? Bring him to me. So they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed. So something is emanating from Jesus, his presence, and the demon's already trembling. He knows his time is short. Because Jesus is there. And he fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. You know, and the enemy does that. When we enter in and we go to someone in need, he'll try to intimidate us. And it might get worse, and that spirit might manifest itself to get you to back down. But obviously, Jesus was not intimidated at all. But then he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said it's from childhood. In other words, this is something severe and deep. It's been there a long time. Anybody feel like that sometimes for yourself? But how about people you're praying for? This is a continuation, by the way, of what I did two weeks ago as far as praying for lost souls. I felt like I wanted to cover this aspect of it in a greater way, like the reality of the spiritual realm and bringing down strongholds and learning how to pray against demonic influences that hold people. That's what's going on here. And it's deep, and it's a picture of humanity on a whole that is under the grip of Satan, under his power, under his influence. Those that, that have not trusted in Christ, they're under his influence. They're seized by him. They might not understand it that way, but that is the reality. The Scriptures tell us so. So it's deep-rooted. Again, it's a picture of lost humanity under the curse of sin and the dominion of Satan. They're still under his dominion. Ephesians 2.1 says, You, speaking of us who have trusted in Christ, 
He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the other. So when it says, when it talks about works, who now works in the sons of disobedience, the Greek meaning there, a better meaning of this, it energizes people. It energizes them. Just like the Holy Spirit energizes us to do good, the devil energizes people to do bad. We wonder why our headlines are getting worse and worse and worse. Well, the devil, because mankind is giving themselves over more and more and more, the devil is energizing evil. That's already in people's hearts, but he's energizing it. He's putting thoughts. He's working in them to do his will. And it is demonic. Again, a lost person doesn't see it that way, but they don't understand. They are being energized. They are being influenced by the spirit of this world. 1 John 5.19 says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under wickedness. And that, now that's a picture of Webster's Dictionary defines this as laying like face down in submission to. And that's a picture of the world. They're like bowed down, face down in submission to the spirit of this world. That is the reality of this world. Those that have not put their faith in Christ. And it's a mindset. So when we talk about strongholds, mostly we're talking about something that has laid hold of the mind. Because if you have the mind and the heart, you have the person. And that's where the battle rages. That's where it started in the garden. He attacked the mind. He attacked, do you really believe? Or did God really say? And they believed the lie. Because they believed the lie and acted on it. Thus, they sinned. They rebelled and they were separated. And Satan was granted access into their lives. And that's what happens. And the more we give access, the more we give over to the lies of the spirit of this world. And it's manifested in so many different ways. People are more enslaved, more enslaved, more enslaved, more in bondage to the works of the devil. But he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. That needs to get in us. I don't want this to sound like the devil, the devil, he did it all, he does it all. And he does a lot. Um, but this isn't just like, oh, the devil made me do it kind of message. We have a will, we have a flesh, okay? But that's what we're looking at today. This is one aspect of how we pray for people because it is a very important reality that... Satan does influence and does possess and take control of people's lives. And if we don't understand that, then uh, we're not presenting the full gospel to people because that's what the gospel does. It sets us free from the dominion, from the power of the enemy. Not just from, you know, my own uh, habits and things like that, which, you know, we have those things, but it's spiritual. We have a spiritual problem. And it's demonic. So, the world is helplessly in this grasp. Colossians 1.13, again, says about us, He has delivered us from the power of darkness, from that power. It doesn't have sway over us anymore. He's conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Praise the Lord. So again, we've been freed. We've been delivered. But now, we're commissioned to go. I read that scripture in the beginning. Jesus, when He stood up in the temple. That's our kind of uh, mission scripture for this work. The Spirit of the Lord is not just was upon Jesus. Now it's upon us. It's in us and upon us to do the same thing. 
to open eyes, to, to release the oppressed, to break the chains, to proclaim the accessible year of the Lord, to cast out devils, to pray for the sick. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. We are called as the church. He has given us authority in this world in that way. And he says, go. Jesus sent out 70 when he was still here on the earth to go and proclaim the kingdom of God had come. And he gave them authority to heal, to cast out demons. And it says when they returned in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, that when they returned, they returned with joy and they said this, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. They didn't say to us, even though they were, but it was because of Jesus' name. It was because of who Jesus was and it's because He gave them the authority. Didn't come from themselves. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. So go. Go. Make disciples. All the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I will be with you. God is with you. When you go, He is with you. He hasn't left us powerless as His church and as His people. He's with us. Acts 1.8 shows us how He equips us. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Hallelujah. So God has given us everything we need to proclaim the gospel. Paul in Romans says, not just that he preached, but that through signs and wonders, everything God has, had given to him, he said, I have fully preached. The gospel, which included everything. Power, the Spirit in His words, but also the power, the Holy Spirit upon Him to cast out demons, to pray for the sick. Signs and wonders, following the Word to confirm it was true, just as it did for Jesus. Why would it be different now? Right? Now, Again, 1 John 19, I want to read this again. It says, Now we know we are of God, but the world lies under wickedness. So this is a reality we have to understand when we are praying for the lost. They are still under the power of the enemy. And he has a stronghold. He has gained access into their lives, and there is a stronghold over their life. And people, again, I said this earlier, they don't realize when they resist, resist the truth and they continue to resist it and they believe a lie, that strength, the strength of that stronghold is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. We can look at people, right, we're praying for. We can sometimes see the stronghold. Jesus could do that. Like the rich young ruler he met on the road. He saw the stronghold in this man's life who supposedly was religious. But Jesus saw the stronghold in his life and it was greed. And man, is that rampant in our world today. The love of money. It had a stronghold. It was so strong he couldn't see who was standing in front of him. He was blind. He was blind. The God of this age blinds those lest they believe the gospel. So, we can see that in people. We can see deep-rooted strongholds over their minds. Maybe it's a bondage to a particular sin. Maybe it's a, a, a resistance to the truth. They're just so hard. It just seems like they'll never receive a love of the truth. I, I remember praying for Jose, you know, and how hostile he was. Didn't want to hear it. But God broke that stronghold that the enemy had gained through something that happened early on in his life. And then he believed it, that religion is evil, that, you know, they just want to, they're out to get you, and the de devil fed it and fed it and fed it, and he got a stronghold in his mind that God is not good. 
because see what happened, see what those Christians did to you. You understand, he does it in so many different ways. And there's things that happen in our lives. And if we don't respond and turn to God, we're giving the devil access into our lives. And he gains a foothold in our lives. There's so many doors that allow demons, strongholds, to enter someone's life and family. And, you know, I'm not going to be able to list them all, but sometimes it's involvement with the occult. It's doing things. That's opening the door to the satanic realm. Okay? It could be growing up in a broken home, experiencing abuse. It could be harboring unforgiveness. It could be illicit sexual encounters, consuming porn, stealing, lying, drugs, habitual, willful sin. It could be generational. Strongholds can include fear, anger, rejection, depression, abuse, suicide. Whatever it has, or whatever it has taken hold of the person, its ultimate goal is to destroy them. And we've got to realize, the devil came to destroy. Because verse 22, it says, Often he's thrown him in the fire, into the water, to what? To destroy him. That's what the, the, the end goal of the enemy is, to destroy souls. But then he says, but Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He's willing and he does have compassion more than we understand. More than we'll ever understand. The devil has no compassion. His one aim is to kill and destroy. First Peter 5.8, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief, the enemy, Satan, he doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus, the Son of God, came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. So then Jesus said to him, and he is saying this to us today. He's been saying this over and over to me personally. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And then I love what the father says. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You ever feel like that? Like you know you believe, but you also know you're inside you're still like, yeah, but I don't know. Lord, help my unbelief. And Jesus is so kind. He really is. You know, if we'll just go to him and admit, Lord, I want to, Jesus, help me. I know what you, I've seen it, Lord, but Lord, I'm struggling. Look at him. Has he been like this since a little kid? I don't know what to do anymore. I've tried everything. I've pleaded day and night. Jesus, help me to believe you. It's okay to pray that way. He understands. I had people praying for me that way. I'm sure you've prayed for people that way. He's willing, people. He's willing. You know what the strongest stronghold there is? is Unbelief. Unbelief. It's a, the major stronghold in every person's life. Whether you're saved or lost. In a Christian, it's designed to keep us from really believing certain truths in God's Word that will make Him powerful and effective in God's kingdom. Did you hear that? Quit believing the lie of the enemy that God can't use you and can't work through you and can't answer your prayers and can't do what seems impossible for you. Stop believing that because the Bible speaks otherwise. And for the unsaved, 
It's designed to keep him from believing in Jesus. Since unbelief is the only sin that will condemn someone to hell. It's the only sin that will condemn someone to hell. Satan regards it as priceless, guarding it with other strongholds. It is any mindset that is against God's will and God's word. That's what a stronghold is. So when Jesus saw in verse 25 the people that they came running together, he rebuked this unclean spirit and he said to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Now, did you know, you know what I love about Jesus? Like, we think we got to plead and go on and on and on. There is something to persevering in prayer. But yet, I, I see with Jesus, like, a few words. You know, when he, they were on the, the lake and the, the, the waves were going, it was just be still. Two words. But he says, you know, a sentence. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and empty him no more. And then the spirit cried out. It convulsed him greatly, and it came out of him, and he became as one dead. So they said, ah, he's dead. Again, that, that accusing spirit, that doubting spirit, it's always there. Even in the middle of a miracle. Ah, oh, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, he lifted him up, and he arose. Hallelujah. There's nothing too hard for Jesus. So when we are praying for souls and strongholds to be broken, we need to remember again that this is nothing for Jesus. So it says in verse 28, when he had come into the house, his disciples then came to him. I'd kind of be that way, like, Lord, what, what, what are we, what's wrong? Why didn't it work? Why, like, why are we, we so ineffective? It can feel that way sometimes, right? Lord, why? We, we've been praying, God. We've been believing you. Lord, I've been believing you for so-and-so so or such-and-such. Lord, what am I doing wrong? What does he say to him? This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now, there's three accounts of this. In the other account in Matthew 17, 20, he says, or he calls out the root issue. He says, he said to them in Matthew 17, 20, it's because of your unbelief. See, the prayer and fasting is what creates faith. So he says, it's because of your, it's because you're, you're not believing me. You're doubting me. You don't believe I can. And then he says there in that, the Matthew passage, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, a lot of the, two of the main old Greek manuscripts don't even have fasting on it. So it's really prayer, although I don't discount fasting. Fasting is very powerful, and it is a way for us to deny ourselves and to draw near to the Lord. But really, in the original, it, it, the word fasting is not there. It was added later. So it's prayer, but it's also denying ourselves, making a way so we could spend quality time and, and subdue the, the flesh, or like Paul says, discipline my body and bring it into submission to God and seek Him and pray. Faith is kept strong. Faith is produced by praying and by getting over the Word of God. There's no other way to create faith. And denying fleshly appetites and, and not or cutting off things that is decreasing your faith. Because oneness, communion with God, Sitting at the feet of Jesus, beholding Him, is what creates faith. But that takes time. That takes getting alone with Him. And it takes just gazing upon Him. Beholding His beauty, His majesty, His authority. And letting that soak into you, soak into you more and more and more. And the more you see Him, the more you understand His ways, the more you, he, he starts giving you His heart. 
the more his words and the reality of who he is becomes more and more and more real to you. And then you don't doubt. I mean, just singing this morning was creating faith for me. And thinking about Pastor Bobby and all he's done in my life and recounting. And I was beholding, and that's why I started weeping. I just, I was overwhelmed with God. You are amazing. Your ways are unfathomable, Lord. You are incredible. You do the impossible. And I, I can think about all the people, all the, the marvelous things He has done, and there's nothing too hard for Him. Because obviously it reminded me, you know, thinking about Pastor Bobby, of how bound I was. But yet here I am, Lord. It's no different for this person. It's no different for the people over here or the people over there, Lord. Nothing's too hard for you. We need to use all the means we can to strengthen our faith. When we limit prayer, I love this quote, we cease to fight. Prayer keeps the Christian's armor bright and Satan trembles when he sees even the weakest saint on his knees. So, what do we learn? I want to look at three things we learn from this passage. Number one, there's no sin, there's no stronghold, there's no situation that is beyond the power of Christ. Okay? Colossians 2.15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Matthew 28.18, Jesus came to them and He said, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and earth. Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He Himself likewise shared in the same, that through death He, Jesus, might destroy Him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The second thing we see is, there's no faith, however feeble, that can't approach Christ to bring about His compassion and His willingness to give you what you need. And we see that in Hebrews 4, right? We have a high priest that sympathizes, that understands, and he says, come to my throne of grace. That's what that man did. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Give me the grace to believe you. Help my unbelief, Lord. We've been given access. Number three, by spiritual discipline and the power of Christ, we can train ourselves how to wrestle against every form of spiritual bondage or stronghold, however extreme it is. And we're admonished in Scripture to train ourselves for warfare. Prayer Denial of the flesh, again, will strengthen our faith to believe God for the impossible. You know, when we pray for the lost, the primary purpose is in the twist God's on to save them. He already wants them saved. He doesn't desire that any would perish, but that all would come to repent. So we're not telling God, oh God, save them, save them. No, we need to pray against what is preventing them from being saved. And that's where sometimes strongholds comes in. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, guess what? We need to do that in our own minds, but we could also pray it for others, especially the lost. Because strongholds, again, are mindsets that are against the Word and the will of God. So we see, right? Where's the battle? Mostly, it's in their mind that has been taken captive by the enemy. If Satan can continue to control the mind of an unsaved individual, he will be able to keep him from being saved. The only way for him to do this is to keep the person blinded to the Gospel. And 2 Corinthians 4.3 speaks of that. It says, if the Gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the Gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So again, the more someone resists to believe 
suppresses the truth, the more and more they are held captive by the enemy. So, some of our weapons, one is we have the blood of Christ. We can plead over people. We can pray. Um, Revelation 12.11 says they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb. When we plead the blood of Christ, we're basically just reminding Satan and all of his demons that they're already defeated. This is important when we're battling for souls since when Jesus shed his blood on Calvary, he paid the sin debt for all of mankind. Basically, the devil now does not have a right over souls. Although he thinks he does. Jesus claimed every soul. They still have to respond to him, but he paid the debt for every soul. The devil does not have a right to them anymore. And it's right to pray. Say, you don't have a right for my child. You don't have a right for this person. You don't have a right for that person. They've been paid for by the blood of Christ. And I plead that blood over their life. Another weapon is his name, right? The apostle said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. Why is the name of Jesus so powerful? I read an article in Fox. Um, I guess there's an ad in the Super Bowl today where they mentioned the name of Jesus. And everyone was fine with the ad until they mentioned the name of Jesus. And there was this huge uproar. Just mention the name of Jesus. What's up with that? The devils don't like that name. That's why. You know why? His name is powerful because he's over all creation. Colossians 1.6, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible, invisible, whether by thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Everything was created by him and for him. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. So his name is powerful. His name is powerful because of his death on the cross. We already looked at that, right? That through his death, he destroyed the power of the devil. His name is powerful because through his reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, he has gone into heaven. He is at the right hand of God for us. He is in a place of power. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Another weapon which we're talking about is prayer. Uh, is, I'm sorry, the Word of God. The Word of God is called the sword of the Spirit. It's one of the weapons talked about in Ephesians 6. It's talked about in, in uh, Hebrews 4. The Word of God. Speak the Word of God. There's authority in the Word of God. If you're walking with Him, if you are in fellowship with Him, it's not a spell book. You know, it doesn't work if, if you're not walking with Him, but if, if you are, if you're His, He's going to honor His Word. He's faithful. And this one is really powerful. Praise. Praise. Remember, uh, well, Psalm 22.3 says, He comes, uh, how wonderful it is. Oh, so, sorry, here it is. God is enthroned in the praises of His people. God is enthroned in the praises of His people. And the story of Jehoshaphat, right? He gets word all these enemies are coming out to attack Him. And what does He do? He prays and He fasts. And He gets a word from God. And He doesn't get like His most valiant fighters and, and all that mustard. Um, he, he calls Josh and Brian... And Samantha, the worship leaders, and he says, hey, you guys, you guys are going out front. And they're like, huh? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, because that's what God told us to do. And actually, he's going to give us the victory. You just need to praise him for it before it even happens. And sometimes we need to do that. And it says God went in. He confused the camp. They wound up fighting against one another. There was no one left. Praise is powerful. And then the last one is love. Love. 
The greatest of these is love. Love for God and love for others. Revelation 12.11 says, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, because they loved not their lives unto the death. When you love someone, you will do whatever it takes to get them out of hell or to save them from hell. You will lay your life down for them. That's what Jesus did. And so, we need to allow the love of Christ first and foremost to be real in our own lives because that's what compels us to lay our lives down for others. That's the compelling fact in our lives. And uh, I know I, um, I can't help it. He's just on my mind. Bobby was such a picture of that. Just laid his life down. For me, it's, I, I can't... I've been texting people, letting them know. He had an effect on so many lives because he loved people and he laid his life down for them. Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rules of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So I'm going to leave us with some strategy as a church, as individuals. Obviously, the ultimate strategy is for the entire church to give themselves to prayer. And we're doing that more and more and more. Because that is what breaks the power of the enemy. We're believing that for this community. We're believing it for all the different ministries God has given. We're believing it for the counseling center and for our families. And we're believing it for missions. We're believing it for the people we support in missionary work. Prayer is the backbone. Prayer is what breaks the power of the enemy. So as a church body, we need to keep that priority. But then we could break down from there. And we have this. We should... You know, get involved in prayer groups. You know, we have that on Group Me, but I know we have it in other different ways where you, some of you get together and you pray. We need to do that continually. So prayer groups and then prayers in two. And obviously, if you're a husband and wife, you need to be praying together for your kids, for your family, for your neighbors, for your workers. Um... Pairs. Praying in pairs. Why do I say that? Because sometimes we need help with our faith. Just like when we're in a service today, I think uh, Troy was testifying. I love the body. You know why? Because you got encouraged listening to the testimonies, listening to the Word of God being spoken out, hearing the prayers of God being magnified, and it creates faith in us. And we need that. And then the last one is a prayer list. You can look at prayers that have been answered um, over the years that will encourage you to hold faith for others. But having a list helps you stay focused. And you just keep adding and adding and adding to it. Like, I have a list. I have a list for the church. I have a list for my neighbors. I have a list that I just go through. And I pray and I believe God to work in every life. So I'm going to read to close the testimony of someone who prayed for a lost soul and broke a stronghold over their life. Wayne has a God-given burden for inmates on death row. He spends much time in the prisons trying to win them the Christ. He continues his story. And he says a major victory involves a death row inmate recently in executed at the prison in Huntsville, Texas. He was a very dedicated Muslim, more, morally better than most Christians I know. I had been working with him for about two years, sharing the gospel with him and having my church pray for him all in vain. He would write to me, ending his letters with, Allah be with you. I never felt more hopeless or helpless over any case. Then about two months before his ex execution date in September 2002, I encouraged our church 
to specifically pray to bind the strong man of false religion. A lie that had gotten hold of this man. To bleed the blood of Christ over him, instantly change began to take place. He began to admit that Jesus was a good teacher and his letters now ended with God be with you. He invited me to be president at his execution. I made the trip to Huntsville to see him one last time. How my heart thrilled when he asked me, what must I do to trust Christ for salvation? At 3.05 p.m., he asked the Lord Jesus to save him. 51 hours and 12 minutes later, he was dead. Just two hours before the execution, he winked at me and he said, I love you. I'll be waiting for you in heaven. And the very last words he spoke on earth were these. God forgives. He's the greatest. He died with such a peaceful look on his face that even the warden commented on it. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible for you. Let's keep looking to Jesus. Let's keep holding faith as a body, as a groups, as individuals, for those people, for those situations that maybe seem impossible. But let's remember, our warfare is not according to the flesh. So let's be mindful of the weapons of our warfare, but also maybe how we could be praying. Hopefully this will help us a little better on how to be praying. I think about the ministries we do. It really can help us in how we're praying. Um, so let's believe God. Uh, so Lord, I thank you this morning, God. I love you, Lord, and I'm so thankful this morning that you, through prayer, broke many strongholds in my life. Lord, you've done it in so many lives here, Lord. How much more do we have to see, Lord? I don't want you to look at me and say, you still don't believe after everything you've seen, Jeff? Why are you so slow to believe me? Lord, don't let that be us, Lord. I do pray you'll drive any unbelief. I pray, Lord, you will bind the strong man. I pray, Lord, we'll learn how to take down those strongholds in our own minds, the enemy that wants to feed lies, that, that wants us to not trust you and believe you, Lord, that wants us to quit and give up. Lord, I pray against that, Lord. And God, we are believing you for every situation. We're believing you for every person that we have been lifting to you, Lord, that you are going to break the power of the, the enemy in their lives, Lord, and that they are going to respond to you. There's going to be an open door for your word to come in and to pierce their hearts, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray my brothers and sisters would be encouraged this morning as we look to you and as we trust you and believe you for the impossible. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm going to, before we close, give anyone an opportunity here this morning. I know I know most of you, but I don't know people's hearts. And uh, there's some here I don't know this morning, but if you're not sure, if you don't know who Jesus is and you have not truly put your faith and your trust in Him, you've not trusted in Him for forgiveness, to be cleansed of your sins, His Spirit isn't dwelling in you, there's, there's not a witness in you that you're a child of God. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. But there's something missing. It, 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 it doesn't line up with what the Gospel says God will do, where He'll transform changes. He'll break the power of sin in our lives that it, it won't have dominion over us anymore. There's still an emptiness in your life. Maybe you're, you're bound by depression. Maybe you're, you're still held 
by fear. Whatever it is this morning, Jesus is here. He's here, and there's nothing too hard for Him. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and maybe you're thinking like the woman with the flow of blood or blind Bartimaeus, I don't know, I've been like this a long time. Yeah, I've been to church before, but you know, it's just not real to me. But I heard something today. And I'm asking myself, could this really be true? Did the Son of God really come? Is He really alive? Is He really at the right hand of God? Did He really defeat the enemy? Is there really a way for me to be saved and set free from the curse of sin and the fear of death? To know my name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. To be released from the lust and the, the power of the Spirit of this world that leaves me hopeless and grasping for the wind, never being satisfied. Jesus is here today. And He's crying out to you, Come to Me! Come to Me if you're weary. Come to Me if you're dry of soul. I died so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But you have to repent. You have to turn away. You have to renounce your sin. You have to renounce the world. And you have to put your faith in what I did for you. You have to trust in my blood that was shed for you, that it's able to cleanse you. That you'll be white as snow. You have to trust in my promise that I will come and I will dwell. I will put my spirit in you and I will transform your life. I'll bring healing. I'll bring freedom. You won't have a problem-free life, but you'll have peace inside. So if God is speaking to you today, don't let Jesus pass you by. Come to Him. Come to Him. Come to His feet. And say, Jesus, help me. Help my unbelief. I want to believe. Help me, Lord. I want to trust in You today. He's here for you. Online, He's there for you. Just kneel before Him. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I repent, Lord, of resisting You. I repent, Lord, of keeping my life back from You, Lord. I repent. I hear Your voice this morning. And Lord, I need You to cleanse me. I need You to wash my sins away. And I thank You for Your blood that was shed for me. I thank You it has power to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. The Lord, wash me now. Wash me. And Lord, You promised You would give me the Holy Spirit. So Lord, come. Enter my life. Fill me with Your Spirit. Take Your rightful place, Lord, because You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. Lord, I give You the least, the, the uh, what do You call it, the deed to my house. Take Lordship over my life. I surrender to You, Lord. It's not what I want anymore. It's what You want, Lord. Take my life today and save me, Jesus. I put my trust in You. In Jesus' name.